You're listening to episode 21 of the Money Owners Podcast with me, Morgan Rochard. Money Owners is a podcast for people who want to be mentally and financially crushing it. This podcast does not provide investment advice, and nothing in this podcast should be misconstrued to be investment advice. If you'd like more information on Money Owners Coaching, the podcast, the homework, and everything I have to offer, visit moneyowners.com. What's happening, my fellow money owners? I actually, I wanted to tell you guys today why I always start like that, because <laughs> it's kind of funny. Um, so there was this book called Tacky the Penguin that I used to read when I was a kid. And it was like, honestly, my favorite book, um, like ever. And it's about this like stodgy penguin who wears this Hawaiian shirt and he eats fish sandwiches and he just does like everything a penguin's not supposed to be <laughs> doing. And the first thing he does at the beginning of the book is he slaps his penguin companions on the back with like a hearty slap and he goes, what's happening? Um, and <laughs> it was brought back up because, um, I went through my books to see like my childhood books to see what I can give to my son. And I saw that one and we started reading it again. And of course, like that just seemed like the perfect opening for this because sometimes I feel a little bit like Taki the Penguin in my Hawaiian shirt, like doing my own thing on an iceberg. So <laughs> I just wanted to give you a little bit of that today. Um, this episode is going to be a little bit different. I have a list of topics I wanted to do, but because, um, normally, I actually, I don't bring politics into really anything I do, and we'll get into why. But um, the Fed today, the Federal Reserve, they decided to lower interest rates. And I thought it would be a good time to just do a topical conversation about why politics and investing don't really mix. And again, there's no investment advice in this podcast, but um, it is a good reminder sometimes when things happen around us why it is that we really shouldn't be looking to outside exterior forces to see what we should be doing with our money. So that's what today is going to be about. And um, just for a heads up, I'm recording this on um, July 31st. Um, and this podcast will be released over the weekend. So um, it's pretty close in date and time. Or sorry, July 31st of 2019, I guess, in case this podcast lasts for like a million years and people are listening to this in the future. <laughs> Hopefully that is actually the case. But, you know, um, I guess we'll see. So, yeah, so they lowered interest rates by a quarter of a point. Um, and I was thinking about it and I started Googling around just to see like what people were saying about it. And of course, like headlines like why politics matter more than ever popped up. Um, and it made me really think of this article that's actually one of the most famous articles ever written. I think it was in Business Week um, back in 1979 called The Death of Equities. Um, hopefully some of my listeners who are listening to this remember this article or have um, been referenced to this article in some way or another. But basically the article in 1979 goes through all of the problems associated with the stock market. Um, namely, there were issues with inflation back then. I think if we kind of recall what went on in the 80s, there were very large interest rate hikes to prevent some of the inflation. There was a huge, like, gold went crazy and inflation was out of control and interest rates were extremely high as a result of everything of inflation being where it was. So, 
Um, the article basically said that inflation would cause equities to be a problem, um, which isn't actually what happened. And um, they also cited some pension issues. Um, ERISA was actually created in 1974. So they were citing some of that law being a reason why equities would never succeed ever again. Um, and another thing that they cited was some tax issues in there. Um, people also moving out of equities and into real estate. So I think what I find to be sort of funny about this specific article is like <laughs> all of these things are things that I can just see people saying now. <laughs> I mean, maybe not the inflation thing because like, I mean, we're not really like in a hyperinflationary environment like we were back in the 80s, but um, definitely like the tax stuff always comes up. I mean, most recently there was the whole change in the tax law and like people are kind of freaking out about it and what's that going to do to certain investments and other things. Um, and definitely like pension issues always come up throughout the years. So I find that one to be kind of funny. Um, and people, obviously, they put capital all over the place. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, I think that's kind of the name of the game now is that people are always trying to find new ways to have their money work for them. And real estate for sure has um, been a huge market for the last, I mean, forever probably, but um, definitely over the last 40 years and uh, continues to be so. And it hasn't really affected equities just because as people get more wealthy, wealth in general tends to just permeate. So I wanted to bring up this article in particular because we always say things like now is different. Um, and there are a million reasons why we say things like now is different. I mean, if we look over what's happened the last 40 years, you know, like gold hit record highs in the 80s. Um, there were huge drops in the market. Um, like in the 70s, there was a 43% drop. In the 80s, there was another 23% drop. Um, there was like the oil price crisis in the 70s. Um, there were, you know, multiple wars. Um, there was like Russian financial crisis and an Asian currency crisis and Y2K scare. I don't know if you guys remember that. I do remember like hanging out with my friend on Y2K and we were like, in eighth grade. <laughs> so we obviously weren't doing anything that was particularly fun. Um, but for some reason, we decided we were going to play with matches. And um, my sister told on me because we lit a troll's hair on fire. Um, and I don't know why I'm telling you this. Anyways. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, you know, like Y2K happened, right? And then 9-11 happened. So there's always things happening in the world um, that is causing some sort of crisis. I mean, then there was 2008, right? And we thought that the whole world had changed and is different. And for sure it is, right? When we look at the world around us, things are different. But some things sort of remain the same. Um kind of reminds me of like this Daniel Tiger episode that I watched with my son. <laughs> I don't, yeah. So like Daniel Tiger, they go to, I don't know if you guys have kids or anything, but honestly, if you do, Daniel Tiger's the best because he has really good lessons, like better than I could probably ever teach my son. Um, Daniel Tiger is just like a really good parent. So basically Daniel Tiger, they go for a weekend vacation um, to Grandpère's house. Um, and I actually find it really funny that they have Grandpère. He's like, has a French name, but they they didn't give him a French accent, <laughs> but he does always wear a beret. And I find that particularly funny because my in-laws and my husband are French. So I don't know. Anyways, so they go to Grandpère and it was Daniel Tiger's first time away. And he is, you know, his mom goes through this whole thing with him about how some things are different, but some things stay the same. And I know this is like a kid's show and you're like, what the heck is wrong with this woman? Why is she telling me about this? But I'm telling you about this because this applies to adult life too and just real life in general. That's kind of just the way things are, right? Some things change and some things stay the same. And I am telling you this because, right, the geopolitical world around us is always changing, but the things that we can control in our lives stay the same. 
So politics, why politics now matter now more than ever? They don't. <laughs> the short answer is politics don't matter now more than ever. They never have mattered. Um, and it's the real reason why I don't bring politics into what I do with my clients. So, I mean, I would say that like in my practice for the, for the most part, I probably, I mean, because I'm from New York, right? I mostly have left-leaning people who are in my practice, but we don't talk about politics because it's not actually part of their plan. And it doesn't really matter what I think about who's president or what policies are happening because that stuff is irrelevant to what's happening for them personally in their finances. Um, and it's the same reason why I've mostly, or I think 100% kept it out of this podcast because I don't want you thinking about those things. Um, you can get your geopolitical news and everything else that you want to get from pretty much any other podcast. You're not going to get it here. <laughs> what you are going to get from me here is just you know, little tidbits about how to control your own finances. So what I want to talk to you about today is just focusing on what you can control, right? Like if the Fed lowering interest rates is something that's completely beyond our control, right? And we don't know what to do with that information or how it affects us in the long run, right? I mean, we can make conjectures for sure about what we think is going to happen. But at the end of the day, like I think the most disturbing thing that people don't like to admit is that the Fed doesn't actually have control over anything. Um, they have control over a very short area of the yield curve, and I'm not going to go into too much detail about what that is, but they have um, they have control over the short end of the yield curve. So they can make decisions about what interest rates are over very short maturities, right? That's what the Fed is able to control. They're not able to control pretty much anything else. <laughs> And I know it seems like it, right, because they're printing lots of money and the stock market's doing what they're doing. But really what's happening is that the Fed is doing stuff and people are anticipating what that means and therefore going and making decisions about it. Um, and you don't have to be one of those people. Um, somebody I went to dinner with actually was saying that, like, what I do is kind of fraudulent because I'm basically telling people that they should ride off of the coattails of other people. And I don't think that that's necessarily true. I mean, I think for the most part, if you're focusing on what you can control, which is you know, not what the market is doing in any given period of time, um, and you're focusing on things like your income and your savings rate, right? Then you actually are able to, like if you're able to increase your income and increase your savings rate, then you're actually able to invest back, which is the most important thing, right? And investment is what keeps the world going. Um, I know that that's kind of, that's actually kind of a political statement. <laughs> And I don't mean for it to be because I know the Keynesians out there are really into like spending. Um, I'm not as into spending. I'm sure you can tell from based on this podcast that I think savings makes the world go round rather than spending. Um, that's a topic I think that is beyond the scope of this podcast. But yeah, I mean, if you focus on the things that you can control, like increasing your income and increasing your savings rate, right? And then creating a plan that actually fits your needs and your risk tolerance. These are things that all are within your control. And yeah, they seem hard to do, which is why we like to focus on the things that we can control and then complain about them, right? It's much easier to be like, oh, what the... Like, what is wrong with Powell? <laughs> trying to keep this G-rated. What is wrong with Powell? Why would he lower interest rates? Why would he, like, just be at the whim of Trump, right? Like, I feel like I've heard that a lot today. Um, and that's easier to, like, be in a high horse about than, like, hey, what are, like, the 10 things I can do right now or over the next 90 days to increase my income? That's much harder, right? Now I have to, like, get my butt off the couch and I have to, like, make a list and then I actually have to do the things on the list and then I have to get people to pay me more money, right? Like... That's harder than me just like being like, Ugh, I hate what's going on in the world, right? 
<laughs> I feel like that's like the voice I hear in my head when I'm complaining. <laughs> Ugh, I hate it so much. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe you don't want to be in my head so much. But yeah, so like what I'm saying here though is we don't like to focus on what we can control because that's hard. And we like to focus on what we can't control because we don't have to do anything about that, right? It's completely outside of our control. So it's just like this endless thought loop going on in our head that makes us feel like we're doing something, but we're not actually doing anything at all because we can't control any of it. So things that you can control, right? You can't control what the stock market does. You can't control what the bond market does. You can't control what anybody in political office does. We like to think that we can. We like to think that our vote matters and that they're actually going to do what they say, right? But in the grand scheme of things, they lie. They do what they want. They don't listen to us. (laughs) Or you pick a politician and like maybe they do three of the things that you really like, but like two of the other things that they do totally suck. And you're like, I don't know whether or not I like this person anymore because like those other two things really matter to me. Um, Yeah, I know sometimes I think that way, but again, totally outside of my control. (laughs) Um, And then the, the third thing that I mentioned is creating a plan that fits your needs and risk tolerance. So If you're the kind of person that feels like geopolitical things really matter and it really sways how you invest, that actually is more telling of the fact that you have a lower risk tolerance than it is telling of, you know, what you're actually able to do with that information and whether how it's going to affect your financial plan. Um, To me, when I hear that, when I hear politics matter in investing or, um, you know, timing the market, all of that stuff, that to me is a huge, it's it's a huge red flag of like conservative investor. Um, And I say red flag because it usually is a red flag that that person doesn't even realize that they're conservative. They don't even know the money scripts that are going on in their head that are causing them to be conservative. They think that they're actually being proactive and that they're doing the right thing for their finances because like they're reading the news and they're up on everything and they want to, you know, like make the right decisions all the time, right? But like really sometimes taking a step back and acknowledging that a lot of these things are outside of our control and saying, okay, you know what? These things are outside of my control, but I have a really long time horizon and that's all that really matters. That means you have a higher risk tolerance, like a much higher risk tolerance. So um, you have to incorporate that into your plan. And if you're the kind of person that is thinking about these things um, all the time, what's going on in the world and politics and everything else, then... I think that it's time to acknowledge that your risk tolerance isn't as high as maybe you think it is. Um, And especially if you're the kind of person that's able to game some of these risk tolerance questionnaires because you know what you're supposed to answer to get a higher risk tolerance, right? Like you're in effect like anchoring yourself around the answer that you want. It's a like, what's it called? Confirmation bias, excuse me. So... Yeah, I mean, I think that you you need to be thinking about those things when you create a plan for yourself. And if you don't feel like you can create a plan for yourself, there's always financial planners out there. <laughs> you know, I'm just, just putting a plug in there for, you know, us planners out there. I mean, you don't need to call me if you think I'm a wacko, but like there's a lot of us, you know, it's not just me out there. Um, anyways, so the other things that you can do that you could focus on what you can control are things like diversification. And I mean diversification all around. I don't just mean like, okay, I'm going to buy like some U.S. stocks and I'm going to buy some international stocks and I'm going to make sure that I buy large companies and small companies and small in value and blah, 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 right? That's great. You should be doing that. (laughs) And I don't mean to whitewash that at all. You really should be doing that. But there are other things to diversify besides your investments, like your tax rate. Um, We've talked about this a little bit on the podcast about um, traditional IRAs versus Roth IRAs or Roth 401ks versus traditional 401ks, right? So, 
one of the things that you can do is if you're willing sometimes to pay a little bit more in taxes now, right, by not taking a deduction and putting it into, let's say, a Roth 401k or a Roth IRA, if you have the ability to do that, right, if your employer either offers the Roth 401k or your income is low enough that you can put it into a Roth IRA, what happens is that you diversify your tax rates. So what do I mean by that? What I mean is that you don't get to take deductions now, so you raise your tax rate now for the chance of having a lower tax rate later. One of the things that I think we talked about on episode five, the Q&A that we did with Mark, which was fun, and we should have him back on, um, but it's, it's hard for me to schedule. It's not a Mark thing. Um, it's, it's a me thing. <laughs> but yeah, so one of the things that we talked about in one of the questions was that you, like, your tax rate it has to stay the same um, for these accounts to not really matter. So if let's say your tax rate is, I don't know, 28% or whatever, and you're putting into a traditional IRA and the funds grow, and then when you retire, your tax rate stays at 28%, then the money is, it basically is going to be the same amount as if your tax rate were 28%, you put into a Roth IRA, you didn't take the deduction, and then if your tax rate stayed 28% on the way out, then you would have the same amount of money. So it's equivalent. I know my mind was blown when I saw the math on that. Um, I was in like a CFA class and I was just like, what? I always thought the Roth was better and you're telling me it's not? It's like a bet on my tax rate? What? Um, Yeah, it's actually a bet on your tax rate. So the Roth, you make out better if you have a lower tax rate now right? And a higher tax rate later. Whereas the traditional IRA, the bet is that you have a higher tax rate now and you're going to have a lower tax rate later. The thing about that is, is that we don't really know. (laughs) I know it's crazy. We don't know what your tax rate's going to be later on. I mean, especially if you're like in your twenties or thirties right now, like really, we don't really freaking know what your tax rate's going to be when you're 70. I'm sorry. It's really hard to know these things. So what I think you should do is diversify your tax rate by putting into as many of these accounts as you can. And, um, Of course, you know, that also implies that you're controlling your income and your savings rate that you're actually even able to put into these accounts, but that was already talked about. So I'm assuming you're doing those things when I'm talking about putting money into a retirement account. The other things that you can diversify around is how you save, right? So you can save in a retirement account, you can save outside of a retirement account. (laughs) I know it's kind of seems self-explanatory, but you should be saving in both places. So um, that actually also helps diversify your tax rates and also diversifies your options and how you're able to use that money. So if you're parking all this money away in retirement accounts and you have no money outside retirement accounts, it doesn't really give you a whole lot of optionality about what you can do in this lifetime before the age of 59 and a half, unless you get like really up on the IRS rules and you're good about taking distributions and everything else. And Honestly, we could do a whole topic on that, so I don't want to get into that today, but you really should be diversifying how you save. I mean, other things that you should be doing to diversify how you save is like thinking about how you save in general. So you might be the kind of person that can just, you know, take... $4,000 a month or whatever it is that you decided in savings and just immediately take that out of a paycheck, put it into an account and that's it, right? There are other people who that's just like, that's just not possible. They can't take a whole paycheck and just like put it away, right? So you have to start thinking about other ways that you can do it. So maybe um, my parents called it the Pishka technique. (laughs) I think it's a Yiddish word actually. But what they did is they put away $20 a day and they, they, in addition to everything else that they were saving, but they put away $20 a day to save for my sister's bat mitzvah and then to save for my bat mitzvah. Um... And uh, <laughs> it's kind of silly, like, when I'm thinking about this. But we used to have this little, like, um, pot above the um, sink, and it hung from the ceiling. And they would keep cash in there, and they would literally put a $20 bill in there every single day. And then I think, like, at the end of the week, they would move all the cash out somewhere else. I don't even honestly know because I was really young. But that was the Pishka technique. So, um, right, like, 
there are many different ways that you can save. I mean, there's also like those, I've heard of this app, Acorns. It's kind of like the Bank of America Keep the Chat Cash, uh, Keep the Change, sorry, um, program that came out back in the 90s, I think, where like you would spend on your credit card and then would round up and put like a little bit of money into your savings account. Um, obviously, that's not going to move the needle <laughs> if like that's all you're doing to save, right? But like the, it helps, right? It helps that like you'll do that. Or another thing to do would be dollar cost averaging. Um, you can send like $100 a week to an investment account. I promise you won't miss it and you'll really be excited at the end of the year what you have. So these are all ways to be thinking about it. You don't just have to take a lump sum and put it in savings. Um, but if you are being paid irregularly or you're the kind of person that gets the majority of your income in a bonus, then yeah, that is what you should be doing. You should take a lump sum and put that into savings so that you're not, you know, spending your bonus or anything else like that. Um, another way you can diversify is where you spend money. I know. You didn't know I was going to say that, right? <laughs> you're like, where you spend money? Is this lady crazy? Um, yeah, where you spend money. So this is actually a really good tactic um, that I'd like to tell clients about. If you're the kind of person that like can't get your Amazon shit together, yeah, you know who I'm talking to if I'm talking to you, where like you literally can't help yourself. Stop going on Amazon, right? Go find somewhere else to shop from. I know it's like so simple, but like we just get in these ruts where like we have one click to buy and if you take that away from some people, the one click to buy, like all of a sudden they're not buying stuff. So I actually really believe in diversifying where you shop um, for a number of reasons. One, you're able to price compare. If you're always going to one place and you never check the price anywhere else, then you're much more likely to be spending more money. Um, if you're the kind of person though who likes a good deal, like I was telling my husband about this, that if I can just pay for, like if everything was just like 10 to 15% cheaper somehow, like if I could buy stuff used and it was like, you know, a couple bucks here and it was 10% 10 cheaper every single time, like I'd be saving so much money. It would be beautiful, right? So <laughs> yeah, but how do you do that, right? You got to like diversify where you spend your money. You can't just like go to Amazon all the time. So I think like we are under this misconception that Amazon is cheaper all the time but it's not. Um, so go somewhere else. Also, like when you spend money in different places, it's not as easy for you to get into a habit of spending money. So you're more likely to spend less money. So something to try if you're the kind of person who feels like you're always overspending. Um, other things that you can control that are not politics that would really affect your financial plan. <laughs> Just reducing expenses all around, right? So um, I think it, reducing expenses related to investments for sure helps, um, but it's not everything. And I know that sounds a little crazy coming from somebody who tends to be a low-cost indexer who likes to diversify all around, but there are places where it does make sense to maybe pay a little bit more. Um, I'm not going to get into that in this podcast. It's beyond the scope, and I don't give individual investment advice on here. Um, but like also just reducing your expenses all over, right? Reducing them in investment, reducing them in everything that you're doing in your life, um, that 10% cheaper type of a thing, and reducing turnover in your portfolio. So what do I mean by that? Stop trading. <laughs> Yeah, you, stop trading. Put the mouse down. Stop clicking on that thing. I mean, really, for God's sakes, especially like the cryptocurrency. I swear to God, like I was um, with a client and we were on Coinbase because he was buying some Bitcoin. And I was like blown away because um, I haven't been on Coinbase in a while. And um, there's like all of these currencies all over the place. And like they try to make it extremely appealing for you to trade around and all this stuff. And I was just like, put the mouse down. <laughs> you do not need to buy any of that stuff. And they honestly, it's to a point actually where you can even buy this stuff on your credit card. I was just like, I was moved in a bad way. <laughs> I don't think you should be doing that. So yeah, no trading. I mean, really like 
think about what your time horizon is. If your time horizon is really short, then you shouldn't be investing in high-risk investments. That's just it. I'm sorry. If your time horizon is like less than five years, I mean, I think five years is even really short. Like, honestly, I think like stocks and other high-risk investments really should be like closer to 10 plus years. Um, I like to look at 30-year time horizons because I'm a freak like that. But yeah, I mean, like if you can't hold something for five years, you cannot invest in anything high-risk whatsoever. Period. (laughs) Um, End of story. And if somebody tells you otherwise, they don't know what they're talking about. So you should not listen to that person. And hopefully you listen to me when I say stop trading. You, yes, stop trading. Okay. Um, And then minimizing taxes is another thing. And I mean this without taking this to a neurotic place. Um, So one good way to minimize taxes is to not trade around. (laughs) Um, Another good way to minimize taxes, though, right, is to save in a retirement account um, pre-tax or to make sure you're, if you are a business owner, that you're taking all your proper deductions, that you're not leaving any money on the table. Um, Tax deductible is not free, but it is a little bit of a discount. So it does help. Um, But that doesn't mean like run all sorts of things through your business and then have the IRS audit you, right? That's not what I'm saying at all. (laughs) But what I am saying is like take advantage of the deductions that make sense for you. Um, And if you don't know, consult an accountant. And um, why I said don't take it to a neurotic place is I've really seen people take this to a place that's not okay. Um, For starters, with regards to investing, I mean, it's completely out of control when you have to start taking taxes um, into... Um, when you start thinking about taxes, um, yeah, I mean, I think like we could probably do an entire podcast on this, but like after tax returns are a really big deal. Um, especially if you're investing in things that are high risk, like things like hedge funds or things like these, you know, private real estate investments and other things where, um, they have really high returns, but they're all considered income to you. And when they're all considered income to you, they're taxed at the highest tax rate and people start doing crazy things. I mean, crazy things to avoid that. So um, one of the things I've seen is like you can put it into an IRA and then there are rules about it, whether or not that you can even do that and whether or not the um, the IRS is going to tax it. So I've seen people put it in there, not realizing that actually it was taxable income. Um I've also seen things like people buy things like Puerto Rican bonds, which are triple tax free. Um, and then there was the Puerto Rican bond crisis, right? So like we do all of these things that are not in our interest to avoid taxes um, when honestly, sometimes it's just easier just to buy like a simple portfolio of like, you know, thousand stocks and like 500 bonds and hold it forever. <laughs> it really just is easier. Yeah. Um. <laughs> So don't take it to a neurotic place. And I mean that really on everything that I talk about in this podcast. Like, I don't want you taking any of this stuff to a neurotic place. I want you to be healthy. And a lot of the reasons why we work on our mindset around money and our finances in general is so that we feel better. So if you're doing things in your finances that make you not feel good, then stop doing them. (laughs) I know that that's easier said than done, right? But like, honestly, so like I was listening to some other podcasts and the woman was talking about how um, one of her clients was asking about how to feel better or whatever. And she was like, well, you know, you do pull-ups all the time. So how do I do a pull-up? And the woman was like, you know, you got to do (laughs) pull-ups. And that's like it in a nutshell, right? Like if you're doing stuff that doesn't make you feel good, like stop doing it right? If I want to learn how to do pull-ups, I start doing pull-ups, right? If I want to learn how to do push-ups, I got to start doing push-ups. Yeah, maybe I make some modifications, right? Maybe like I hold on to the bar for a really long time and then let go. And I keep doing that until I can actually do a chin-up, right? But like, 
that's kind of the same thing when it comes to your money, right? If you're doing things that don't make you feel good and don't serve you, then like maybe you just ease out of them. Maybe you start noticing when you're doing those things. And then when you're noticing it, maybe then you pause. And even if you continue to do it, at least you're noticing and pausing. And then you'll finally get to a point where you notice, pause, and you don't do it anymore. And that is the point. You got to notice these things. You have to be aware. You have to have like just an, an ultra sense of awareness when you are trying to make changes in your life and cha- make changes in things that have are regarding your relationships. You can't just like fly by the seat of your pants and hope that everything works out. I mean, sometimes it will, but sometimes it won't, right? Sometimes <laughs> you're really not going to be in a good place if you just like kind of let life, you know, go by and you never take a chance to like stop and smell the roses, right? There's a reason why we have these sayings. And it's because like, it's true. You need to pause and reflect and and be aware and try to make changes in your life that serve you and help you become a better person. And I mean in all aspects of your life. So if you're willing to do this in your finances, I promise it will translate. I promise it will. You will see that you are able to do it in other areas. Maybe in areas you didn't even know you needed to fix. All right. So that's all I have for you today. Um, Actually, it's not. (laughs) one more thing I wanted to tell you. I made a note about it and I was like, don't forget to say this. And then I like was literally going to tell you that I'm out. Um, yeah. The other thing I wanted to say is about the fastest lane on the highway. So this is actually really related to investing. Um, I guess you can apply it to other aspects of your finances too, but really related to the fastest lane on the highway. So you're ever like in your car, right? And you're driving and you hit traffic and you're in a highway and you're like freaking out because you have to be somewhere. <laughs> I know this is totally me like sometimes because I'm always running late, especially now with my son because like we can't seem to get out of the damn house. But yeah, so like we're on the highway and it's stopped dead and I'm like, okay, like we got to get to this pediatrician appointment. All right, so which lane is going to move the fastest? And I start like looking ahead and I'm like looking in my rear view mirror and I'm trying to see where the exits are, right? And I'm like trying to make a decision and I like to be in the middle lane because I think the middle lane is going to move and like the left lane's not and the right lane might move because there's an exit, but then people get back on. I'm making all of these like determinations and I literally know nothing, right? Like, like <laughs> there would be an accident like two miles down, like in one of these, in like the middle lane and I wouldn't, I have no idea, right? That's the point, right? We have no idea. So we make all of these decisions about what we're doing and we have anxiety around them, right? Like I, I'm actually getting anxious even thinking about myself sitting in a car trying to get to my son's pediatrician appointment <laughs> and being late and sitting in traffic trying to pick the fastest lane, right? We like drive ourselves crazy literally for no reason, like trying to pick the fastest lane, trying to do what's right, trying to make all these decisions without any information, but with information that we think that we have, Stop doing that. (laughs) Um, One of my goals, I think I talked about this on the last podcast, was about um, being more patient. And it's actually translated in the car as well, of like trying to be more patient, letting people cut in front of me, not like being such a New York driver, um, especially because like we're moving out of (laughs) of New York. And like, I don't want to be like that person who's like stuck in in New York with like the accent being like, yo, man, like get out of my lane. (laughs) So, um... Yeah, like I think sometimes like we're we're not wired for discipline investing and planning. We have these mental errors. We have these biases. We do things because we're emotional and we have anxiety and we do things because we want to feel better and we're worried about our money all the time, right? And we're worried about like how we're going to provide for our family or what is going to be the best for our family or like what are the best activities we can get our kids into or, you know, my kid has to go to the best school because like they have to have the best education because it's my job as a parent to provide that education, right? I hear this stuff all the time in my practice. I hear this stuff coming from myself because I'm 
I'm not a saint and I don't do everything right because I'm a human being, right? And we make mistakes. Um, but the the difference is, right, is like I let myself have these feelings and then I decide later whether or not I want to keep having them. Um, and I think that that's really the way to react to this. So I want to take this full circle about this is this was meant to be about politics and investing and why that stuff doesn't matter. Because that stuff is totally outside of your control. That stuff is the stuff that makes you anxious. That stuff is the stuff that keeps you up at night, that keeps you from doing the things that you actually do have control over. So if you were one of those people and you feel like you are being moved by everything geopolitically going on in the world, stop. (laughs) Yes, I mean you. Stop. Like, take a minute. Realize that you want to become aware. Take a deep breath. In and out. Let yourself feel those emotions because they're real and they're valid because you have them, right? They're valid because they you are having them. And then after you've let that wave pass through you of what you're feeling about it, then evaluate whether or not that's how you want to keep thinking about it. Because the only way for you to move on is to A, make allow yourself to feel those feelings because any feeling is okay for you to feel, positive or negative, allow yourself to feel that feeling, and then be aware of it and then make those changes. All right. So that, for real, (laughs) is all I have for you today. Um, Just an FYI, I am going to try to record a second podcast and release it um, on time um, for in August. But we are going to my brother-in-law's wedding in Mexico. Woohoo! In Punta Mita. And um, I might be late. (laughs) So I just wanted to give you guys a heads up on that. Um, I know that's like, that's a me problem. That's a thought in my head that I should be working on. I don't know if anyone is like, you know, patiently waiting for this to come out every two weeks. I hope you are. uh, And I really appreciate everyone who's listening to this. Um, But yeah, I just want to give you a heads up on that. Um, We do run Q&As, obviously, on this podcast. So if you have a question that you want answered live, just send me a note. You can find me on Twitter at Morgan with an E Rochard or at money underscore owners. Or you can find me on my website at moneyowners.com forward slash ask Morgan with an E. I know my name's not spelled right, but that means that you should be listening to this podcast and then spelling it right. (laughs) Um, And yeah, I hope y'all have a good two weeks and I'll talk to you soon. Okay, thanks. Bye.